0: We must learn to fight well for ourselves first. Then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome to Warrior Mothers Who Know. So glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Really, this is such an awesome meeting because this meeting is so directed by the Spirit. And whenever we have a fifth Tuesday... We have a guest come, and it worked out just perfectly mm. for Ashley to come. She was actually the guest in our last Fifth Tuesday that we had on the calendar. And did it was kind of a teach us a little bit about boundaries before her series even started. And now it, it's kind of fun. It's like bookends, right? It's like, and now she's here at the end of the series to do a Q&A with us on this fifth Tuesday. So grateful that she's here and really thank you for taking your time to be here. I recognize there are so many choices that feel like I need to do that too and that too and so just want to thank you for being here and honor you for taking your time to be here. So yeah, before we just turn it all over to Ashley like this is our meeting all of us so we want you to feel like it's your meeting and that if you have questions or things you'd like to share about the boundary series we would really want you to share those things and I know Ashley does too she'd much rather have a discussion than be the talker and so I've heard her say that more than once so now I have it memorized I'm going to read something that a woman sent in to us hoping that it would get to Ashley as well. And so I'm just going to read that to you while you guys are entering in the chat. What your takeaways were from the boundary series, if you were able to listen, maybe your favorite episode and where you're from, that'd be great. Okay, here we go. I'm going to share the screen. Okay, so anonymous, of course, but this was such an appreciated note. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who works with Life Changing Services I've benefited so much from your organization in ways that have impacted my family deeply. I'm currently wanting to express thank you, thank, I express thanks, thank you, Ashley it, in particular via Karen Broadhead, Mothers Who Know, who made available the series on boundaries. Today, I listened to boundaries number two, and I believe that's when boundaries in communications I think that was two. Anyway, boundaries number two and was brought to tears. It's the one where you talk about Tiancom. Is that two? Ashley, do you remember? I'm checking just a second. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think it might be. Oh, it was about its service, the Serv- nerves of service. Okay. Boundaries and service. <laughs> and and parenting is another one there too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so today I listened to the boundaries number two and was brought to tears by the direct application to something I have been praying to understand and feel for a long time. I did not know it was even possible to get an answer to that particular question. And it has been deep on my mind. Oh my goodness, thank you. I cannot describe how much that has meant to me. I would tell anyone. would listen about your approach to psychology. I have worked with Anelody Milne, and she has been life-changing, too. And, in fact, she has taught me the same concept Ashley taught in Boundaries. Number two, but I needed to have both witnesses put in different scriptural applications in order for it to make sense. Ashley had no possible way of knowing how long, hey, How do I do that? What do you do to make that? Push this X? You can just push the back arrow and I think it'll... No, I know if you push restart, it'll go back. I'm just going to read it dark. Watch me. I'll just keep doing. Here we go. Okay. But I... Let's see. Here we go. But I need to have both witnesses for Ashley could have... have had no possible way of knowing how long i have been asking the lord for the answer and doesn't know me at all and yet almost using every word i had used in prayer to explain my dilemma to the lord she showed me the solution who could possibly have ever had a more direct witness that god knows you than that God knows you when that happens. Thank you for making it possible. Yeah, so, so good. And we've had so, so much neat feedback about this boundary series. It's something I felt we needed to do for a long time, but I just didn't know who would help us with that. And so it was so neat when I got to know Ashley a little better and I kept being curious about her. It was so obvious to me that that's who you're going to ask because her language so aligns with what we do here in Mothers You Know in how she teaches boundaries. So we've just appreciated so much, Ashley. And it might be fun to, yeah, just notice, did you gals get a chance to visit in the chat there? So just fun to notice. I don't know that we should take time to read all that out loud or not. What do you want to do, Ashley?
1: I'm, I'm just along for the ride with this stuff. Okay.
0: <laughs> but the, I love what
1: everyone's picking up on and all of these takeaways are just wonderful.
0: Okay. So even if, even if you've been reading them, that will be helpful here. So good. Okay. So yeah, I'm just excited. I totally trust your facilitating. I'm just going to let you go, girl. You just. All right. I was presented that this would be a Q and a. So I'm here for your
1: questions and I'll attempt to have answers. And if we need to fill some silence, I can make that happen as well. But I wanted to start by just seeing if there are questions and I can also, yeah, we're just going to start with seeing if anyone has any questions right off the top. And if not, then I'll go from there.
2: Okay. Carrie. Because I did not listen to all the boundary series, the person that wrote the drama triangle versus the empowerment triangle. Would it be possible to ask what those are, or if you could give some explanation on that? That sounds very intriguing. Definitely. They just want to know the
1: authors, or you want me to tell you about it a little bit?
2: I don't know because I didn't hear that podcast. So, whatever you oh, think would okay. be great to share, I'm just curious what they mean. And and I'm a musical theater director too. So, drama, you know,
1: <laughs> amazing. My first school degree is in theater. So, I like surrounded in individuals. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So the drama triangle was created by a man named Karpman. And the idea behind it is that in conflict communication specifically, when there's a problem that needs to be solved, we as humans tend to fall into one of three roles. These three roles, the one that we fall into the most is probably the one that served us growing up, that got our needs met. And so it served an important purpose. But then we haven't been able to transition out of Getting my needs met as a child to functioning independent adult as an adult. So the roles in the drama triangle all have special skills that go along with them that when used in a drama triangle way, lead us to not actually being able to have any communication, and when they leave when used in a healthy way, they lead to conflict resolution and being able to communicate. So the,
2: I'm going to pull up the slides. They're right here. Why not do that? (laughs) Let's look at them real quick. Awesome. I'm anxious for more. Everything you're saying sounds very intriguing.
1: The drama triangle is named drama because it's literally just playing a role. It's playing the role with that we used when we were growing up. But since it's just playing a role, it's not anything real. So it doesn't allow us to actually be able to bond, connect, understand each other. We're just playing a role. Okay, our special skills are an awareness, which is the ability to perceive that there's even a problem. We got to know there are problems there. The assertiveness, which is being willing to talk about an issue. And then this last one, I finally came up with the word sympathizing, which means listening and connecting and problem solving, taking all the information and seeing and what could be done about it? Those are the three skills. When we use them in an unhealthy way, in the drama triangle, Cartman's drama triangle, that special skill of awareness leads to being a victim where we're feeling powerless, like we can't get things done. Other people's achievements are really a comment on what I wasn't doing right and I should have been doing better. It's hard to take responsibility for what's going on because the reason I'm feeling this is everything else and everyone else, and none of it's working. They have such an Uh, an awareness of the problems, but then they let the problems be in control. And what happens is they accidentally disparage themselves. They don't express confidence in themselves. Then we have the skill of assertiveness, which is an awareness that there is a, of what hard thing needs to be said and a willingness to say it. And in an unhealthy way, in the drama triangle role, it's the persecutor. So they don't take responsibility. You did this. It's all your fault. It's you just, would have done it that way. Why couldn't you done that? They're controlling and blaming and critical. I'm right. You're wrong. Why couldn't you? And when using this special skill of assertiveness in the unhealthy way, they accidentally disparage other people's worth or abilities. And then our last role in the drama triangle is the rescuer. This person has that skill of synthesizing, taking all of the information and giving us something that we can do with it. But when they're in the rescuer role, they begin to feel guilty if they don't separate and fix it don't worry, I've got this. I'll fix it for you. I can take care of it. They they are doing things like making all the doctor's appointments because it's too hard for other people. They don't realize that what they're doing is actually enabling poor behavior. They wish people, this is my sentence, I'm a rescuer. I have to fight this all the time. Wish that people would just follow their instructions because that would help everything. I said that to multiple people. I can see the problem. Just do what I'm saying and I promise it will fix it. And what happens when you? when we, I'm going to use we, me and my rescuer crew, when we jump in and try to solve the problem and we just get it done, don't worry, I'll take care of it, I'll help, is we accidentally disparage other people's abilities. We accidentally communicate you aren't capable of doing it, so I'll do it for you. Like when my child is learning to tie a shoe, if I say, no, 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 I'll just do it and tie it for them, I accidentally communicate that they can't. So that's the drama triangle and how When we fall into these roles, there's really no communicating happening because we're just too busy playing these roles. The opposites of these are found in the empowerment dynamic, which was created by David Emerald. He teaches about it in the book, The Power of TED, TED standing for the empowerment dynamic, T-E-D, The Power of TED. It's an excellent book that goes into all of these different roles. but. What happens is we take the same special skill. So the skill of awareness, that's where we're at, skill of awareness. The victim is so aware of everything that they can't. But in the empowerment dynamics, the creator sees what problems there are and then uses accountability to take care of it. So what problems can I identify are things you'll hear them saying. What are some creative ways I can solve these problems? Which of these problems do I have control over and which of these responsibilities someone else? And the ones that I have control over, what steps can I take to take that control, to make sure I'm solving the problems? So they use this kind of creative problem solving as the creator to take accountability for what's within their control and also leave accountability with what is not. Then we have that special skill of assertiveness over in the drama triangle. It was the persecutor, the person saying, you did everything wrong. In the empowerment dynamic, we have the challenger. And the challenger uses, oh, I forgot an important piece, I'm so sorry. What accidentally happens when we're in a healthy role is we're expressing confidence in our own self-worth when we're functioning as a creator and super victim. I can do these. This is what I have control over. This is how I will approach that. We accidentally show ourselves that we are of work. And then back to the challenger role, they use a tool called options and negotiations. <laughs> So they consider the different options and then figure out the best way to handle it. So they'll be saying, they'll be thinking things like, is there something that needs to be expressed? Is it my responsibility to express it? When it is my responsibility to express it, what's the best way to do so? So you'll see this in parenting a lot when it's like, oh, well, that was really cool of you to do. What do you think would be a helpful way to approach this? And what maybe wouldn't be a helpful way? Where a mom or a dad is just like, let's lead through these different options and get some thought going. Rather than saying, I can't believe you did it that way. They switch from persecutor to challenger. Let's look at these different options. Let's see if we can figure out what to do. And what accidentally happens in that is expressing confidence in other people's work. That those children we're talking to are feeling like they're capable and, and valued and we accidentally express confidence in them. And the last one, the opposite of rescuers using the, the same special skill of synthesizing all that information can become a coach. They use the tool of boundaries so that they don't step in when they shouldn't be stepping in. And they'll be saying things like, is there someone that needs support? Is it my responsibility to support them? Has this person asked for my support or am I jumping the gun? What's the best way to support them without taking responsibility for the things that aren't mine? And when they step back, when we only take responsibility for the things that are within my boundaries, which is showing me what I am and am not in charge of, we accidentally end up expressing confidence in others' abilities. That's yours. You've got this. You can do that. You are a capable adult. You've got this. I have confidence that you'll be able to get this done, rather than, oh, you can't, I'll do it. Oh, you can't, I'll do it. Oh, you can't, I'll do it. That's just a quick little look at those two different dynamics. Carpins drama triangle. You can find lots of information on that. And then David Emerald's empowerment dynamic.
2: Thank you so much. That was amazing.
1: The copies of the slides, I believe, are attached to the Boundaries podcast show notes, right? So that one was episode number three. You can get a copy of the slides in the show notes of episode number three.
3: Hi. Okay. So first of all, I walk around here. I I wrote my question in the description. Thank you so much. This has been so meaningful. I think I can... That for so many people, I've read lots about boundaries, but I've never heard it the way that you've taught it. So that's been wonderful. Okay, so on the drama triangle, I totally i am a rescuer too. I try to tell myself I'm not going to be that long. That's the helicopter (laughs) and all that. Anyway, I have an 18 year old who's actually been working in Nauvoo for the summer for the last two months to earn money for BYU Idaho. He's coming home tomorrow night. Yay. And throughout this whole time, there have been still so many things that have needed to be done to prepare him. And I've been working at night and sleeping during the day. And so like time for him to communicate and call people, stuff like that, isn't always been easy. So I know that I've been stepping in to do things that he should be doing. That's been really hard. To recognize that but i'm like look how good it does. anyway we got a fault but might be able to go to college but he not that he should be doing this he's doing better so anyway my question is after i listened to that podcast and i thought okay so well so my okay my question is has it is it okay even going forward Is he still this i feel like he, you know the the kid that's on the train wheel bikes again, you know, you're trying to get him to totally launch and to mute the bike without the train wheel. I'm the train wheel, right? And he's getting there. And so I just been giving him like the do list. Every Sunday we would zoom and I'd say, okay, here's what you need to do, And then ask him to return on the report, basically. Like, let me know if that will not been super good at that every, every, every partying, but the next week, I'll say, did you do this? Did you do, you know, did you do this? Yep, no, yes, no, whatever. So where am I on track? What should I keep doing? How can I change that to further make those train me, me <laughs> away so that he can ride the adult bike on his own? And I can, and I can let him know that I'm still always here. Like an encourager. I, I have it. I have to say. Right here on my friends. I think that's my question. First question. I have a lot. I could probably take whole time, but I'll try not to do that.
1: <laughs> Let me make sure I understand the question correctly. So you have this 18-year-old son who's been kind of off on his own this summer working in Nauvoo. And now he's getting ready to go to college over in Idaho. And there's lots of tasks that have to be accomplished from one to the other in order to make it happen. And he's 18, so he's technically an adult, but also he's in this stage of transitioning into adulthood, which is hard for him. But it's also hard for you as a mom, because where is the point where you stop doing things for him? And I think this transition is the hardest one, because as a mom, it began with you having to do everything for them, right? That's part of the role as a mom, is ignoring all of these other rescuer boundaries and doing everything for them, and letting that be something that shifts out is tricky. So you are curious where you're at being on track with that. Yeah? Okay. First, you sound like an incredible mom. So good job. Well done. Your awareness, the fact that you're even asking these questions, the things that you're considering, the the vision that you have for your son and where he's at and what he's doing, you're just doing a great job. So. Well done. I hope that you remind yourself of that all the time. The answer is going to be annoying. I don't know your son. You've got to defer to the Spirit. (laughs) But Heavenly Father knows your son, right? He knows him better than you do. Because, and the reason it can't be just straight across the board is because everyone's different. There are plenty of people who are adults that still live in facilities where people are doing everything for them. So there's not like an, at this age, suddenly we're going to shift. It really is an individual thing. And so if your son is ready to take more responsibility, he's emotionally, physically capable of getting it done, and he's not doing more responsibility because you're doing it all for him, that's going to be one answer. But if he's emotionally not there yet, if he's mentally not there yet, that will be a different answer. But I liked your bike riding analogy. And my only thought about the bike riding analogy was that at some point we have to let them fall. Learning to ride a bike includes crashing to the ground. That's just part of it. Crashing to the ground is not bad. It is the hardest part as a parent because you know you're going to let go of that bike and they're going to fall and then you're going to have to console them and help them and reframe the scraped knee to, hey, it's proof you were doing something awesome. Like you're going to have to do a whole lot of work when you let go of that bike. But the falling is important. And so it's okay. It's okay if your son has to fall
3: because that's part of it. I really quick comment in my mind I have been thinking let me get back tomorrow night and then I drive home and start the trek up to Idaho on Tuesday and in my mind I've been thinking okay the conversation that we're going to have is I've been I've been kind of helping you make the transition make sure everything's ready for you to be at BYUI once you're there the apron strings are cut like not really you know I'm always here but I'm not going to be doing these weekly events with you. Make sure that you're doing your homework or you're doing whatever. You know, this is the real adult life now. And but I, I think I'm on track with what you're saying. And and you're right. I should have known you called all about the spirit. He is. Yeah, that's only good. And that was actually the other thing. I think I made a comment on that. I love what you said. The communication podcast. The spirit is key. And yeah, that leads me to another question. But I'll wait if anybody has another question, (laughs) (laughs) or maybe I'll put it in the chat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Diana. I love your plan to to clearly communicate the expectations. That that's going to be part of your like, mama bird shoving him out of the nest to fly. (laughs) Like, okay, you're going to have to use these wings. You have them. I might consider. I'm trying to think which episode it was on, but we talked about planning in advance what your conversation might look like so you've already been doing that in your mind and sometimes in our mind it gets a little frazzled and it can't quite say there but just writing out this is what i will say and then how will he probably respond you know him pretty well and the spirit knows him really well how will he respond and then what will you say and then what will he say and just practicing that conversation so that you know the spirit's right there guiding you when it's time to
3: have it the four squares of listening or something like that
1: yeah there's that one and then there's the other one where you go through and write out just what is it going to look like and both
4: of those could be helpful yeah Mm
3: -hmm. thank you
4: yeah good luck hey ashley would you mind just maybe coming back to that four square listening tool i noticed it was in the chat a couple of times and we do have several moms here that haven't listened to the boundaries podcast yet and so i wonder if it would be good just to give a you know an elevator version of this is this is A little taste of it, and then we can go and find more just so we're a little bit more on the same page. And then, if you want to go more into that four square listening tool or just share a little bit about that for moms that hadn't heard that, and then we do have a couple questions in the chat as well. Okay, get all that. I gave you five things. (laughs) Okay, I was already planning on doing
1: like a little quick reminder or overview, so I'll just do that and then. You can remind me of anything I forget after that. Let me get to the thing. Okay. So these are the same slides I used for episode six, where we just reviewed what was happening and then took questions. I felt like it was a similar idea, but possibly with a new audience. So I'm double dipping and using the same thing. Okay. So as we learned about boundaries, these are the things that we learned and we can just take a quick look at each of them as we need to. First, we learned what boundaries are. There are three different types, and we talked about boundaries in service, but we also applied it to boundaries in parenting. because parenting is kind of just one long service project. <laughs> we talked about boundaries in our actions with that drama triangle and the empowerment dynamic, boundaries in communication, and then boundaries battling Satan. So let's just take a look at each of these. The first are three types of boundaries. I use this metaphor all the times. So I probably said it four or five times in the series. So if you've been listening. You can say it right along with me, but this is how I teach what types of boundaries are. We have protection, which is applicable to all situations, safety, which is situation specific, and inclusions, which is what determines my behaviors in those moments in support of my value system. And the way I like to think about these is if I were to take an elementary age child to the park, before taking them to the park, we would know just basic rules. Don't talk to strangers. Don't get in a car with a stranger. These are things that we do just all the time to keep us safe. That's a protection boundary. It's applicable to all the situations. This will just always be a family rule. This is what it looks like. Then once we get to the park, we take a look and we notice what's around us. And maybe there's a busy road over on one side with a sidewalk next to it. And maybe over on the other side are some trees that people are playing in. And then there's some benches. And so I would say to my elementary child, hey, see that busy road over there? I don't want you to go past that sidewalk. There's no reason to be close to that road. I can't see very much into the woods, so please don't go over into that tree area. And then I'll be sitting on these benches, so don't go behind me. I want to make sure you stay where I can see you. How many times do we say that? Just stay where I can see you. That's my safety boundary. It's going to change depending on which park I've taken them to and what that park looks like. It adjusts for every scenario. It, It adjusts specifically in every scenario. And then my inclusion boundaries in that situation would be, I value. Ensuring that my children are safe and know, having them know that I care for them. So I'm going to sit on a bench where I can see them and to make sure that I'm not distracted. I'm going to show them that I'm aware and that I'm actively watching and caring for their safety, not being distracted or sleeping in the car or whatever, because I value these things. And so my behaviors are based on my value system for that specific scenario. Those are our types of boundaries. We then talked about boundaries in service. And we mentioned in Mosiah 2.17 that we always read that scripture for service. It says, when you're in the service of your fellow beings, you're only in the service of your God, which is wonderful. We love that, hear it often. But two chapters later, Mosiah comes back and he says, let me clarify some things. And then proceeds to say, I would that ye should impart every man according to that which he hath, such as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, administering to their relief." Both spiritually and temporally according to their wants. And see that all these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has. And if we take the first scripture on service, without this piece, we miss the important part. We miss this part that he adds so that he could clarify a little bit. He wants everyone to impart according to that which they can. So if you have extra food, please impart some food. If you've got an abundance of clothing, Please give some clothing. If you have an abundance of time, maybe go administer to the sick. If you have an abundance of energy, let's, let's administer to their needs spiritually. If you, where your abundance is, that's where you can be serving. So first, we have to know what we have in service and in parenting. We've got to know what it is that we have. And then that second verse is, it is not requisite that a man should run faster than he has strength. We're not expected to do all of the things. We're not expected to to clothe the naked and feed the hungry and visit the sick. We are only expected to do what we are actually able to do. So when we are serving, when we are parenting, when we are engaging in any type of giving of myself activity, we have to also be aware of what we have and what we can actually do in order to be able to do all things cheerfully. We talked about that scripture in that podcast that. When we do things cheerfully, that lets us know that we're staying within those boundaries. Then we talked about boundaries in how we interact with people, conflict resolution, the empowerment in the drama triangle. And then we talked about boundaries just in communication and how Satan can distort our communication. The, we used the Tetris communication analogy that if I were playing a Tetris game and I paused it and someone who was a friend of mine came in They would look at the piece and go, oh, I know where it goes and shift it and twist it and make sure that it lands right in the exact spot to be helpful for my game. But if I pause my game and someone who's not wanting to be helpful and is maybe intent on making me miserable, they would shift the piece and make it land in the exact right spot that it would lead to a game over as quickly as possible. And when we are communicating at any time, if we are not paying attention to the other entities in the room, we will have a problem. Satan's always right there. Elder, well, we've seen it in probably at least the last four conferences where people have specifically talked about the realness and the presence of Satan and how he is constantly pursuing us. But the one that's on my mind the most is The Cheetahs and the Topies by Elder Bednar. I feel like I always give it to Elder Bednar. Elder ben- Okay. The cheetahs and the topis and how the cheetahs were relentless. And so the topis had to always be aware. In our communication, Satan is relentless. He does not want us to walk away from an important conversation with someone that we love and feel heard and seen and valued. He doesn't want that. That would be a problem for him. So he's going to do everything he can to twist the pieces in between what I've said and what they've heard. And in between what they've said and what I've heard, he's going to twist things so that they land in just the wrong spot. The example we used where when we're at home and the husband comes home from work and he says, so what did you do today? And what you hear is you haven't done anything all day. You've just been sitting around. Look how messy the house is. There's not even dinner on the table. The kids are all screaming. What have you even been doing? That's a distortion. (laughs) That's Satan coming in, right? Saying things into your mind that weren't actually said from the mouth of the person you're trying to talk with. And they happen all the time. So, boundaries is an annoying insistence on always having the spirit with us. Because if the spirit is not in that communication, communication is not actually possible. And then the last thing we talked about was being aware that Satan distorts everything, (laughs) that he really likes to send us into a spiral and using our warrior chemistry to battle with him on a chemical level in our minds. So, instead of going around a spiral with him, where we hear one thing, like we'll use that same distortion we just talked about. What did you do today? And what I hear is, you didn't do anything today. Look how lazy you are. Nothing happened. That's going to give me a spill of chemicals that will lead me to feeling a little bit frustrated or depressed or, or unappreciated. And then my brain will go, oh, when have I felt that before? And bring back another flash. It's like, oh, yesterday when I did all of the dishes, he didn't even acknowledge that. And it's so, and we end up just kind of spiraling and spiraling satan loves that spiral but we can use a tool to help us get out of it and study with the spirit instead so we can notice what just happened here that's the first step and then we well i'm feeling this this is what's going on i've noticed that i'm feeling off here's what's happening in that we test the message our feelings are our friends who just bring us messages so we test that message is this a message the spirit would tell me Or is this message leading me toward misery? Because if it's leading me toward misery, it's not actually going to be from the spirit. We test it and see where it's from. And then if we discover that we need to make it through this next moment without stepping outside our value system, we purposely trigger warrior chemistry. We purposely bring into our life those things that will bring courage or excitement or energy or joy or love. Those other friends, we call them into the room to help us get through, to stop the spiral, and to instead find some steadying with the spirit. So those are the, the quick versions of the topics that we covered in the boundaries class. So we talked about the four-square listening tool when we were talking about acknowledging that Satan is the other entity in the room who really, really, really doesn't want us to be able to understand each other. He loves that. If we misunderstand, he's just so happy. So this tool is one that Maurice created that slows down the conversation just to make it more likely to have the spirit in those in-between moments rather than to have the adversary distorting those moments. So it looks like this. In a conversation, Maurice tells us that the spirit should be talking 75% of the time and to me or the person I'm trying to talk to should only be talking 25% of the time total. So we really slow down the conversation. So we'll just go back to the same distortion. What did you do today? Now, if I'm watching and I immediately notice that that triggers something, I slow down and I figure out these things. So here's our four squares. Could write this on a piece of paper and be physically writing to it. That will give it lots of power as you do that. And in quadrant one, you write things he says that I feel a strong need to disagree with. Those things are just on my mind. I'm feeling a need to disagree on them. Let's get them out. So he said, what did you do today? And immediately I went to, are you kidding me? I've been doing all of these things. Strong need to disagree was that I haven't been doing anything. Even though he didn't really say that, that was my distortion I experienced from Zitin, but that's what I'm disagreeing with, so I write it down. We get these all written down so we can more easily identify those distortions that we're experiencing. In quadrant two, we write the things I think of saying that probably will not help. Well, I did more than you have in the house in the last week. You'll nope, We're not going to say that. That's not going to be helpful. But if it's coming to our mind, we just write it down. We get it out. We get these out of our head so that we have space for more productive thoughts that will be helpful. These top two pieces allow all of those distortions to get on paper. And Satan really, really, really hates when things are brought to light. By putting them on paper, by allowing those distortions to be written down, it just brings them to light. And now they don't have to have power over your thoughts and your emotions anymore because we've brought light onto them. So now we move into the bottom two squares, quadrant three. This is things he's saying that might be inspired. So if he's trying to speak with the spirit and I'm trying to speak with the spirit, what is it that he might be saying with the spirit? Our example only has one sentence. So let's say he comes in and says, what did you do today? And what the spirit's actually trying to say is, I recognize you've been working hard and I want to connect with you and hear about your day. Maybe that was his goal. If I'm connected with the spirit and I start thinking about what is it he might be saying what might actually be under the thing that he did say, it's gonna help us out. It's often not a direct quote. It's an interpretation of the meaning with the help of the spirit. The spirit is a good interpreter. He knows my person I'm trying to communicate with better than I do. And he's able to shift things so that I can understand them. So we bring it in, what, I'm bringing the spirit in. What is he trying to say? And then quadrant four are things that I think of saying that just might be inspired. The th- Word think is key in this one because we're not necessarily going to say everything that we think of. We need to take time, ponder, pray, connect with the spirit, double check that this is what I'm being told. But what thoughts come to my mind when I'm purposely engaging the spirit in this moment? Okay, so things I think of saying that might be inspired. Maybe I'm inspired to say, I've just been missing you a whole bunch. Glad you're home. Maybe that's the answer. When he says, what did you do today? Maybe my answer is, I miss you a lot. I'm so glad you're home. And how does that change our dynamic when we've paused, even in simple conversations, and ensure we check what's happening in the in-between space from what leaves my mouth to what hits his ears and what leaves his mouth to what hits my ears? What's happening there? Is it a distortion or is it something more edifying?
0: So Ashley, as you've taught this tool to other people and used it yourself, it just seems like such a shift right like huge shift shift. like if i were to communicate like that if i said i'm wondering if you would consider using this tool with me or i'm just going to sit here with this paper but i'll be writing more than i'm talking is that okay with you so this conversation is going to take a much longer than you think it's going to (laughs) take right and so i just think in real life Like, what are some of the things that people have noticed? Because I'm wondering if it's the same principle as, well, initially when you start trying to implement a tool like that, it's like, yeah, molasses, we're all just saying, hold, hold on, you know. But then does it get easier, faster, where we can do a lot more recognizing, processing, seeing it without having to write it all down, but we can still also see where we're tripping? you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. What we're doing when we stop and slow it down and give some some physical action to this shift in our brain is actually retraining our brain. We're rewiring it to take a new path, to acknowledge that, hey, these intrusive thoughts I have, intrusive thoughts is the scientific word for, hey, Satan's whispering something in your ear, right? These intrusive thoughts are actually not going to be helpful. So brain, we need to recognize that they're not helpful and take this other path. Our brain learns things faster when it has a physical action to go along with it. And so this physical action of taking a paper, writing this down, purposely shifting, connecting with the spirit, it's going to take a long time at the beginning. But then as your brain begins to discover this new path and this new way of approaching it, it will become second nature to where you're just doing it. He'll walk in and you go, oh, distortion, distortion. Ah, here's the truth. And then you speak the truth and it just kind of happens. And then there will be other things that hit big and hard and you've got to slow it back down again and pull it back out and remind your brain, nope, this is the road we're taking. I do want to put a little caveat. If the person you're interacting with is not a fellow healthy adult, watch for those Mm. distortions coming from them, not from Satan. And the reason I want to bring this up is because I work in the worth group with a whole bunch of people who are in relationships with a whole bunch of people who are facing addictions. And in an addiction, person experiencing that often ends up displaying tendencies that are less than helpful. They might include things like gaslighting or crazy making or reversing what I did to make it to where you're the attacker and I'm the victim. And so here's a problem. If you using the spirit in quadrant three and four discern that what's happening here is a manipulation and it's not actually helpful, do not continue to try to have a helpful conversation because it's not going to actually be helpful. (laughs) If I don't have the spirit, I don't talk, I don't listen, I don't think. If our conversation doesn't have the spirit, I don't talk and I don't listen. If he doesn't have the spirit, I don't talk, I don't listen, I don't think. So really key into the spirit and practice this discernment so you can tell if you're speaking with Clear minded spouse who's actually engaged in helping your relationship grow. Or if you're engaging with a person who's fogged with an addiction and they're actually manipulating or gaslighting or doing any number of other things, that's not going to lead to a, a productive conversation, regardless of how well you do this. And if that's the case, withdraw. If they don't have a sphere, I also don't talk and don't listen. And so I've got to retreat to safety and find my peace with Christ rather than try to go through a conversation, working so hard at doing something so hard, only to have it not be able to be successful because the other person's not ready yet.
4: Okay. Thank you, Ashley. Karen, did you have anything else on that topic? We do have a few questions that have come in. Yeah, let's go with go, questions. You go there? Okay. Just one one personal one that I want to sneak in. Sometimes I feel like it's a little a little tricky to bring up these little pieces as we learn them, maybe with people that aren't, haven't been listening about this as far as like intrusive thoughts, satanic whispering, satanic distortions. Even if I were to bring that up like per se with my husband or a neighbor, I would almost feel like I think I'm getting a little weird here talking about the boogeyman or, you know, because it's not commonly commonly talked about and i think it is a lot more than we might think like you mentioned conference talks and they're kidding you know and and, but how do we how do we approach that you know because this is a different language and way you know that than we normally have talked about in the past and it's like oh this is a real thing and this affects a lot of (laughs) the ways people interact and the way we think and just don't i have a i have trouble knowing how to explain that and and not come off as you know we talk about one of satan's favorite lies is i'm not even real <laughs> you know that's mm-hmm. one of his favorite ones but anyway any thoughts on that the first thought that comes to my mind is
1: really getting to where we see the truth ourselves and whatever that lands for you so whatever piece you need to solidify coming to Our heavenly parents and asking them searching the scriptures reading the conference talks and studying studying satan is actually quite fascinating it's a little it's a little hairy like i'm putting so much effort into learning about this but we have to we've got to know who our adversary is in order to even consider being successful against him and so put some time into learning it because i think when i am the most uncomfortable expressing something It's when I'm not 100% sure if I sound crazy. And if I'm sounding crazy, then, right? So it's just like, I've heard this, and so I'm passing along a message, but it might be sounding crazy. Versus when we've really solidified what the truth is, and I can say with confidence, this is what it looks like. And then discern with the spirit. In this setting, I'm going to call it what it is. Remind you that the scientific word is intrusive thoughts. That's what you'll see with all the other like therapists and blogs and podcasts, but we're attributing that to the actual source, which is this person who wants us to be miserable. So of course, he's going to give us some intrusive thoughts, right? I'm comfortable in this scenario, but there are other times when the spirit might constrain me to not speak, at least maybe not like that. Sometimes I will adjust how I say it and only use the words intrusive thoughts. Sometimes I will recognize that this isn't a truth that that person's going to be able to hold with me and honor it for the sacred thing that I believe that it is, so maybe it's not something that I share. So first, really solidifying what it is that you personally believe so that you can express it with confidence, and then solidifying your connection with the spirit
4: so you know when and how to express it. Super helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's get to some of these questions. And and we have about 30 more minutes with Ashley. And we've got a cu- couple of questions that that I've gotten. You can send it to me directly if you want me just to ask anonymously, or you can just put it in the chat for everyone and I'll try and ask that. Or you can just put your hand up in your square by selecting the reactions icon at the bottom and I'll let you raise your hand. And then we'll just watch for that. We'll see. We'll see what we can get to. Let's see. So here's the next question. I experienced sexual abuse, and I am really struggling as my daughter grows older and is close to the age that this occurred with me. How do I let her do things like go to friends or a swimming party while still struggling with the thought? What might happen? It's just that thought keeps coming to, to my mind.
3: Oh,
1: what a hard question and a hard place to be in so whoever's sending this I just want to honor that with you trying to balance letting my kid have normal childhood experiences and also protecting my kid from this really horrible experience is it's a hard line to walk it's not an easy one my let me let me filter through hang on first if there's pain that's coming to you as she's beginning to experience these things and you're finding yourself triggered with that kind of like overwhelm or spiraling, if it's leading you to where you're not able to think clearly or respond within your value systems, if this is a big thing that's hitting you, it is not bad to say, looks like I need some more help here. <laughs> that, that these pictures that we have to heal about or grave are pieces, they're actually puzzles. And so if you found a new piece of this puzzle, that you didn't have before because you didn't have a daughter approaching this age, it is okay to say, this is a piece that I need to work on. This is something, and just go get some help working and healing that. That's not something to be embarrassed or ashamed of. It doesn't mean that the work you've previously done wasn't beneficial. It simply means there's a new piece here with this new thing that you're experiencing, and it's real and important. So get that help. The other thoughts that I've had is not to discount your intuition. So as you get that help and you find some healing, when the spirit's saying, this is probably not a safe thing, and the spirit's able to give you different kind of information because you've had different kind of experiences, it is okay to honor that. But we want to make sure that we are honoring the message from the spirit and not giving fear the control of our actions. So if if it's the fear that's coming up and the fear is going, ah, remember this thing. Remember this thing. Remember this thing. We can talk to it. Hey, Seer. Hey there, friend. Nice to see you. Thanks for, thanks for chatting. You're right. This is what happened to me. And it is really scary to consider letting my daughter go there. I better go take this to someone who knows my daughter better than I, who knows me better than I, and figure out a plan. Thanks for letting me know it was an issue. I don't need you to To control the actions now. Now I'm gonna go to my value system and we're gonna figure it out. But people who do not have the experience that you have will have different boundaries and different parenting expectations. And that's okay. If your experience has taught you that there are some things that's just not safe and fear has let you know, but the spirit has confirmed hey, let's put a boundary here. That's okay. One teeny tiny small example this is fully personal, nobody else has to apply this personally. But because of the work that I do and the people that I engage with regularly and the stories that I hear, I personally have set a boundary for our family that we don't do sleepovers at friends' houses. That's that's not a thing we're going to do for our safety personally. But that's not going to be the same rule for everyone's family. And a lot of it is being informed by my personal experience and the spirit and I have talked and it's gone, okay, I can see what's going on here. Here's a role you can put in. So as you are figuring out the appropriate boundaries for your family, it's okay to let your experience inform some of that. We just don't want fear to be the driving factor behind it. So fear lets you know it's a problem, and then you, the Spirit, and the Lord figure out the appropriate boundaries for the scenario.
4: Thank you, Ashley. Okay, here's here's another question. Thank you, moms and spouses and everyone for your... For your questions It helps all of us to hear, even if it's not the exact same situation for all of us. So helpful. Let's see. My husband argues that boundaries are just manipulation tactics to get him to behave in a certain way. When I explain to him that it isn't about him, but rather what I will do to ensure I can keep the spirit, he still says it's manipulation. For example, I've said if he swears at me and calls me a b, then I will leave the room. He also argues that verbal abuse is not a thing, but rather me choosing to be offended by his words. Let's see, that I should just set a boundary inside myself to not let it hurt me and allow him to use whatever language he wants when we talk. Can you help me understand boundary versus manipulation? Yes,
1: boundaries are about what you can control and they separate what you can control from what you can't what you are okay with and what you are not okay with. It just provides you a realm of, of understanding where you can say, nope, this is actually not what I'm okay with. The trick of boundaries is figuring out how to communicate them. So for example, if I'm walking down the street and someone that I'm passing by reaches over and punches me in the face as I'm walking past them, That is a severe breach of boundaries. (laughs) That was, that punch was unnecessary. This is my space, all sorts of reasons. So I can stop and say, Hey, excuse me. When you reach over and punch me in the face, it is a breach of my boundaries. It's actually not okay. It's not safe for me. If you continue to do that, I will actually need to walk away because it's not something that I'm okay with. And I have this boundary. That's a way to communicate a boundary. But if someone's punching you in the face, the easiest way to communicate your boundary is to just, Walk away. You don't have to use words to communicate a boundary. Actions communicate boundaries, probably easier than anything else. We just take that action. So boundaries are going to be your inclusion boundary. Looking at yourself, connecting with the spirit. Hey, Heavenly Father, husband's telling me these things. Is that true? Are these things true? No, they're not. In case, in case the spirit hasn't sent it loudly enough to you. No, those things that you're being heard are not true being told are not true. They're not true. Okay, what will I do? And then you just communicate your boundaries with your actions. So when your husband is speaking disrespectfully to you, walk away. You do not need to stay in that room. You do not need to carefully explain to him all of the ways that it's hurtful and all the ways that it's damaging and why it's appropriate for you to walk away. That's not necessary. When we're having a hard time figuring out if it's an appropriate action or if it's not, consider what you would tell your daughter or your best friend or someone in a In a scenario where you are helping them, like your young women's girls or something. If she came up to you and said, let's say young women's, you're sitting at church and a young woman raises her hand and she says, Hey, this boy at school regularly calls me a B. And he says that I'm choosing to be offended and I should just be okay with him telling me that. And he's telling me that that when I ask him to please stop, I'm actually just trying to manipulate him and his behavior. What should I do? had a young woman asking you that at church your answer would not be oh you should very calmly approach him and let him know your answer would be "Mm, don't be by that boy walk away get some space find some safety connect with a friend who reminds you what the truth is and i'm going to say that friend is the spirit always check it with the spirit We're told to come unto God so he can show unto us our weakness. So if there is something that you need to talk about, like our need to adjust, if you do have something to work on, you're not going to get that information from a flawed human next to you. They don't know those things. You're going to get that information from your heavenly parents who love you and are aware. So we check it with them. Oh, actually, I'm not behaving in a way that's outside of my value system and Heavenly Father is okay with me leaving a situation where someone is being disrespectful. So that's what I will do. And to see if that person continues to follow you, if they won't let you walk away, this is important information for you to have. I'm going to use a word that's going to trigger people. So if it does, don't leave. Let's talk through it. But one, the definition of abuse taught in grad schools everywhere is an imbalance of power in the relationship. Domestic abuse Is an imbalance of power. So, if you do not have the power to leave when it's appropriate for you to leave, there's more going on there. If, when you do leave, you do not have the power to stop and recenter and connect with God, there's more going on there. And and finding someone who can help is important. And that someone might be a neighbor or a city president. It might be a mom or someone, but. the the power that Satan has is keeping things in the dark and so if you're feeling like I can't tell anyone about what I'm experiencing he just wants you to keep in the dark just tell someone just tell someone maybe it was even just in this group (laughs) just tell someone that this is how he's treating me and when I try to walk away he follows me and when I just tell someone and you're not crazy and it is not inappropriate for you to say this isn't okay and it's Fully appropriate for you to say, until you're able to speak with me respectfully, I will not come back. I'm going to go stay with my mom. I'm going to go be with my sister. I'm not. And you can communicate that with your actions as well, right? Find some safety. It's okay. You're definitely not crazy. And That quote from President Hinckley that says most marriages are built up a large amount of mutual toleration is only applicable in healthy relationships. If your relationship has any of this imbalance of power, that's not being mutually tolerated. That's not tolerating something here in the way that President Hinckley is talking about. That's something that should be brought to light and acted on. And if using the word abuse resonates with you for what you're experiencing, use that word. For yourself. Find that truth in yourself. It's not your job to all to tell him his problems either, right? You know, he doesn't come to you to hear his weaknesses. But you can be aware, hey, this is abuse, and I'm not gonna stand for it. And you communicate that with your actions. Don't stand for it. Go somewhere that's safe. Get help from people who can help you. And it's okay. It's in in words, we call it packing your wagon which essentially just means taking stock of what it is I'm going to need to be okay, regardless of whether or not he begins to treat me appropriately so that you don't have to have this place of fear. You can instead have this place of Heavenly Father's got me and I've got all of the things that I'm going to need to be okay. So start packing your wagon and we can hope and pray that with the professional help, he'll start treating you respectfully and he'll fight his addiction and he'll start discovering that that in order to have a wife like you, he's got to adjust. But you and Heavenly Father can keep you safe. And it might require some, some acknowledgements of things like the word abuse. That's what's happening. Which has got to be scary and hard. So feel free to email me. Because you're not alone with that.
4: Thank you. Can you. Ashley, can you give us the best way to email you?
1: Yes, ashley.levitt at gmail.com.
4: Okay, and it's Levitt. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And I live a boundary life, so it will take me some time to respond to you because I only respond to emails within a certain window of time. But I will read them, and I will respond.
4: Okay. All right. Okay, and this is actually, this next question is actually the same awesome lady that asked this question, the, the one we just addressed. So here's the here's the question. I thought that might be helpful for you. Let's see. How do you set boundaries without hurting others' feelings? And then kind of here's the situation. My mother is very pessimistic and wants to be all in my business, but not in a helpful way. I'm struggling with a betrayal of a husband with addiction, mostly sexual and also drug addiction. And my mom found out about it, and she texts me daily for updates on progress and how I'm handling it all. I am just in grief, and I'm taking it one step at a time. And her daily texts and calls really bring, it, bring up more negative feelings because progress is slow. And then there's also relapses, which feels like step, stepping backwards. How can I set a boundary with her that she will respect? <sighs>
1: My, my biggest answer to this question is, tell her to come to my bystander basics class. My bystander class is all, is specifically for the individuals who are trying to support women who are experiencing betrayal trauma. Moms, sisters, best friends, whoever. These people who are trying so hard to be helpful and want to be aware, Relief Society presidents, visiting ministering sisters, whoever. But they just don't quite know what it's like and how to experience it. So tell her to email me. We'll get her into that class. And that way she can find real ways that will help you out. As far as you and your boundaries, she may or may not ever think about taking this class and we can't control that. So you personally can set up your own boundaries that are needed for you. It might look like not checking her text messages, just turning the notification off on her thread of messages and telling myself, okay, I will check messages from my mother When I am emotionally and spiritually ready to handle them. And maybe that's directly after going to the temple. Maybe that's right before I read my scriptures. Maybe that's nightly. Maybe that's weekly. Maybe that's monthly. I don't know. (laughs) Right? But it's going to be, you have every right to limit who you're going to interact with to moments that you are able to interact with them. That's okay. So you can set an inclusion boundary for yourself. Of this is what it will look like when I do interact with her. And you can set a a safety boundary for yourself of right now in this scenario, all these messages that are coming at me is overwhelming and it's really hard and I can't do that. So you could consider sending one message to her that says, thanks for wanting to help mom. Love you so much. Really appreciate your support. Check out this boundaries class, I think, or this bystander class. I think it would be really good for our relationship to help you understand what I'm going through at the moment. I need to stop talking about this. I really appreciate your love and support. we will check this again on Sunday. Love you. I don't know. Something like that. But with the spirit, you and the spirit can decide when is a good time, how often is a good time, and set your own boundaries for when you are going to engage in this thing. Or if at all, depending on what it looks like for you.
4: Okay. Gals. Thank you, Ashley. We have about 10 more minutes maybe before we want to wrap up and then just make you sure that you have information you need just to, to go further or, or be able to connect with Ashley or find out about some of those things. But Karen, do we have anything? I don't have any questions that I can see unless I've missed something. If I did, please send it to me again. But yeah. Bianca, did you get to ask your second question?
0: Did she, is she still here? She was here at Hmm, I'm not seeing her now. She was just barely there. Okay. You know what? That's one of the reasons I love that Ashley's here is we all have scenarios, you know, that this is confusing, right? Like, I, I don't really know how to see all the pieces of this or, yeah. So is there anything else you ladies have? So
1: in the last class Ashley was talking about a lady who was having a problem with her husband like okay but this thing was true you know like she's struggling with that it, it it this actually happened and I'm str- still struggling with it so
0: how do you go from okay this is what was true and start
2: recognizing that behavior has changed there are more truths involved and in balancing the the trauma with the current reality
1: (laughs) that's hard i can hear i can hear the emotion behind your question so i just want to take a second and validate that and thank you for coming here and bringing your emotions as we talked about in the last class emotions are sacred they're given to us from god so the fact that you're here and experiencing an emotion and that that we get to be here with you is a sacred moment thanks for sharing it with us that's gotta be that's It's going to depend on a couple of different factors. One, has recovery work actually been happening for him? Has he actually been digging in and doing recovery work? Are, are his feet matching his words when he says he wants to work? And then two, has recovery work actually happened for you? Before any kind of reconciliation can happen and trust can be rebuilt, both individuals have to do their own work. Both individuals have to find their own way of living with Heavenly Father as the provider, with the anchor. Heavenly Father is the anchor that we tie off to. And both individuals have to do that. Prior to that happening, it will not be a safe or successful attempt at reconciliation. And so it's going to take some time before that begins to happen. And when it does, what's really interesting is that as we work our own healing, as we really learn what it looks like to develop this connection and reliance on the Spirit, and we really learn how to tie off an anchor to God. Then we begin to have moments where we go, okay, I think I'm ready to try this. we just build a little bit of confidence. We talked about riding bike earlier, so I'm going to bring that back in. Riding bike takes a long time to learn. It includes falling. It includes what some might say is failure. But I really feel like each fall is teaching us a new little thing that we're going to need to adjust, right? When both people can successfully ride their bikes with minimal faltering in there, then we begin to consider riding bikes side by side. But we're not gonna start that until both can do it individually. And then we'll start doing eventually scarier things where we ride bikes side by side, like at the same speed, going the same direction, not running into each other. It takes a whole lot of individual work first before there's any opportunity to reach over and begin reconciling. But once we have that confidence and that assurance from the spirit, it makes it almost natural. When we see the changes that our spouse has made, when we feel the confidence with the spirit that we have also done hard changes and hard work, it becomes natural to begin to start reaching out one more time, trying this one more time. And, And doing a little bit of work to try to reconcile. And then balancing those truths is going to come from just telling my brain, Hey brain, hey fear, I see you jumping in here. Thanks for letting me know, you're right. That was really hard what we experienced. These things that we were going through was difficult. And you're right, there's a lot to be afraid of here. So thanks for letting me know. Hey spirit, come into the conversation here. Is this an okay thing to attempt? Have I adequately done my work? Has he adequately done his work? Am I able to have just enough courage to try this one thing? Is that an adequate way to spend my time tonight? And begin to check with the spirit on whether or not it's safe because the spirit will know. And you just begin to reteach your brain, thank your brain for what it's done. I recognize the work you're doing for me. Hey, spirit, help me know what I need to do now. And if both people, I've done their healing work, then when you falter, when you have a hard time, you'll be able to pick yourself up, just like riding bikes, and start again. There's, Life Changing Services also has what's called a marriage repair class, and it's based off of the Self-Paced Lazarus Lectures, which is a whole series of lessons on how to begin reconciling when you and your spouse have both been working individually. How do we start to bridge that gap and start to reconcile? And I highly recommend it. I think it's incredible. The Lazarus Lectures you self-paced do online at your own time. And then the marriage repair classes happen weekly. And you can come in. I teach one, Maurice teaches one, and Cody Haas teaches one. And you can attend them and just come ask questions and participate in the discussions and learn about this hard process of reconciliation.
0: So good. Okay. That must mean one of you other ladies has a question.
2: Hey, Ashley. I thank you. I just love how you explain things. It's so helpful. Thank you for all your teaching in both these classes today. One of the things I find is that when I'm trying to, whether I explain a boundary or whether I do the boundary, I feel like I have so much emotion behind it that I can't, I feel like I don't, it's hard to do calmly or Like, does that make sense? Like when I get to a place where I'm like, okay, this is the boundary I've decided. Like I can be calm when I'm not in the situation, but then when it comes up and I'm wanting to either just act it with my actions or explain that this is what's going to happen. I feel like I have so much behind it that it's like tense and not the spirit, right? Like, so it's really tricky. Does that make sense in yeah. situations? How do you? I mean, I feel like, you know, I do great in my quiet study time to get the spirit. And then again, in that situation, it's like, oh, I'm frustrated and this is how I want to share it. And it's not received well because I share it with such gusto or whatever. <laughs> Any tips on that? <laughs> yes. I, I have a couple. First, practicing out, writing that
1: he say, I say, he say, I say, you say, kids say, I say, kids say, I say. And second, instead of trying to ignore the emotion, allow the emotion to be part of the conversation. So when all of this is coming in and it's all building and now you're needing to, if I'm understanding correctly, there could be a couple of applications, but now I'm needing to do this thing, but I'm so worked up already or I'm so just call it out. Say, hey, frustration. Hey, Thanks. Nice to see you. Yep. You're right. I am frustrated. There's a lot going on here. I need to be able to talk without you for just a second. (laughs) Can you go sit on the couch? I'll come chat with you in a second because we got a lot to talk about with how frustrated it is. But right now in this moment, I need to communicate with love. So frustration, sit on the couch. I'll be with you soon. Hey, love, how about you come in the room now and then do something that triggers your love? What triggers your love? Do you need to look at the cute picture of your family on the back wall for a second and remember how adorable they all were <laughs> do, do you need to take a couple breaths do you need to hide in your bathroom with your tampon box full of chocolate and just a second <laughs> before you go and engage with anybody. what do you need to do that suggestion comes from christina kismik if you haven't discovered her go discover her she's amazing <laughs> but, but what are you going to do to call love back in the room and then Once you have the friend that's going to help you with this scenario in the room to help you, get through it. And you and Frustration can talk later. You can, I I had a client last week go on a hike with a dozen eggs and on each egg wrote something they were frustrated about and then threw them at trees on their hike, right? Like Deal with Frustration in a way that matches your value system later. You and Frustration can chat. You'll need to. If you just ignore him, he gets antsy and likes to pop in. So you'll need to talk with him. But But
2: have them just sit down for a second and call in somebody else. That's awesome. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Okay, we have time for another one.
2: I have a quick question, if it's okay. You talked about getting right with God. What if your spouse is going through a faith crisis and has stopped all the addiction stuff, but avoiding the spirit? Then that's hard.
1: It's hard for you to figure out. I also want to acknowledge that part of trauma recovery will include a faith crisis. That's part of it. Because when our trust was shattered, that includes trust with God. So we have to rebuild that. So if you personally are experiencing a faith crisis, anyone who's listening, that's normal. You don't have to fear it. It's not something to run away from. It's okay to say, hey God, (laughs) I'm struggling on whether or not I am having a fun relationship with you. So Let's chat about that for a minute. You can bring it to him. He's not offended when you tell him you don't believe in him yet. And he'll he'll just say, "Okay.
4: That's
1: fine. Let's chat, right?" When your spouse is struggling with a faith crisis, faith crisis, it becomes even more vital for you to know about you because he's going to have to go on his own journey and you're going to need to know where you stand regardless of where his journey ends. So where are you with your faith? Where are you with your anchor with Christ? Where are you with your understanding of why we have hard things. Where are you with this? So double down spiritually and get yourself to a place where regardless of where he lands, you will know where you are. I one time I had a conversation with my then spouse and I said, here's the thing. I feel like we are both hiking up this mountain and then randomly turn and you run and jump off a cliff. <laughs> and and I can't decide if it's because you don't want to hike this mountain. And you actually want to go walk the path that's at the bottom of that cliff or because you just don't know how to not jump off the cliff. So we just need to I just need to know (laughs) if you're not wanting to hike up this mountain, that's okay. I can still love and respect you on the path that you choose to walk. But I'm hiking the mountain. That's where I'm going to be. And so if you're not going to hike it, that's going to be important for us to know. If that's not something you're interested in, I got to know because that's for sure where I'm going. And allowing ourselves to just separate, which is really almost counterintuitive in our culture because we talk so much about the eternal nature of things. But salvation is an individual goal. Getting right with God, anchoring off to him, ensuring that I am okay is an individual goal. In the book, What Can I Do About Me? Ril Kroshaw talks about paddling a canoe and how we are all in the river paddling a canoe away from our waterfall. We are just paddling for our lives. And right by the waterfall, it feels a little desperate. And so we're like anxiously just clawing at the water to get away from the waterfall. But even up where it's calmer, the water is still just rushing toward the waterfall. So we still have to be aware of what am I doing to keep myself upstream of this waterfall, not going over it. And the fastest way to go over the waterfall is to stop paddling your own canoe and start paying attention to whether or not your spouse is paddling theirs. Because if, I'm, if I forget to focus on my paddling and I look over and say, you're not paddling. Are you going to paddle? Watch out. There's a waterfall. You have to paddle. You have to paddle. And I'm not doing anything in my own canoe. I'm going over that waterfall. My canoe has to be paddled. And I am the only one that can paddle it. And his canoe, I don't have any control over at all, which is what makes it, makes it really scary. But if we get ourselves to safety, if we paddle upstream, we get to where we can just kind of, we're no longer in that anxious life or death at the edge of the waterfall. We're upriver enough that it's kind of calm and we can just maintain a nice paddle and we just pray. Pray that he chooses to paddle. Pray that he's going to come up this river with us. Pray that pretty soon his canoe will be near us and together we can continue our paddling. But you have to focus on your own paddling. That has to be the priority over whether or not he's going to paddle.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Hard question. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Ashley. Yeah, so valuable. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to know. There's a lot to practice, right? There's just a lot. The relationships and the dynamics, just my relationship with myself, right? Just a lot. So. I'm glad. I'm glad we have so many great resources. I'm glad that we have just a safe open place to consider things like this. So good. Yeah. BJ, did we have anything at the end or after you be thinking if you have any
4: final thoughts here? You know, I would just love to because as I'm thinking, these all these good ladies are listening, thinking, oh, I was interested in that one thing. Where was it I find that? And just what the best way, if they were actually people were thinking, I'd like to connect with you and find out what you have and what, what's just what's available there. Would the best way just be that email that you gave? I know we have some other specific links, but if someone's listening or didn't catch the link.
1: Yeah, could... the, the best way to learn about what I do and connect with me is on my website, which is rejoicerecovery.org. That has all the different classes that I offer. It has the different types of sessions that I do. It just has information and podcasts and blog episodes, that's the wrong thing, blog things that I wrote. It's got stuff, it's got lots of stuff there. So if you're wanting to connect with me or get to know more about me, Rejoice dialogue.
4: Super, and that's there in the chat right now, but that's good to hear out loud as well. Okay, Karen. But Ashley, would you say that Boundaries series will have lots of bits and pieces of what we've been talking about here and maybe throughout the but more on a personal?
1: Yeah, the, the Boundaries podcast series will talk about everything we mentioned today, but in greater depth. And then the Boundaries class is going to take that depth, give some tools for each thing that we talk about. And then really all of these questions about, well, this is a scenario that I have. How do I do it? It'll be working through your personal scenarios in a way where you learn how to to see all the different pieces so that it's a 10-week course. And at the end of the 10 weeks, the goal is you feel comfortable with
0: using boundaries in your daily life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for being here today. Thank you, Ashley, for doing that series with us. I think it's going to be such a treasure for us for a really long time. Yeah. It's been such a great thing to to have and to feel so great about, too. You know, it's such a good resource that we have here now and that people can access. And then, yeah, thanks for for doing the hard work that you've done so that we can glean from your experience and your expertise. It's just been really sweet. It's fun to notice when you're teaching that you're adept at teaching. It's one of the things you're just adept at. And so it's just been really fun, to to connect. It makes me think, as I know your story, and we did a podcast on your story, right? Just as fun to think, yeah, you were probably supposed to be a school teacher, so then you could be this kind of teacher.
1: Yeah. There have been lots of pieces that have led me right here. I think this is where I'm supposed to be, too. And I really appreciate coming and joining you guys over and in- Mothers who know and learning more about what you teach and what you do. This group of women is incredible. In the last um, one that we just did, the warrior women. I'm so sorry. I don't remember what it's called. <clears throat> Stay by the tree podcast. series, whatever. I was just overcome with so much love as I was talking. And I just think it speaks to the incredible, powerful women that join you here in Mothers Who Know. And I'm honored to come and rub shoulders.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks all for being here. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you, BJ, for your help. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothershow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms remember your divine identity, and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSAH young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under LCS or search for Mothers You Know. And on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight week Mom Power Training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers You Know website at motherswhoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at motherswhoknow at Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.